many know the Father loves us? How many know He's wanting to prepare us for everything that comes? So don't take that as, oh my Lord, what's coming. Just take it as my Father is preparing me, right? And, uh, and let the Lord minister to you. And, you know, I can just tell you, there are people in the room, you need to make some changes with you and what your focus in life is. And if you'll listen to the Lord and adhere to what He's saying, He will bless your life. There's some people, and I see here go, I got this stuff. I don't know where we're going today, but I can just tell you that some people, you have a false sense of peace. The prophets of Israel, they're prophesying peace, peace when there is no peace. And sometimes you got what your flesh wants, but it's opposite of what God wants. I've had people sit in front of me, and they were at peace in adultery. They were at peace living with someone. They were at peace doing their stuff that the Bible says is sin, but they enjoyed what they were doing, and they enjoyed who they were doing it with. So much that nothing else seemed to matter. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. And, I, you know, I'm a pastor, y'all. When I say this kind of stuff, it just kind of trips me up. But if that's you, consider this a warning from the Lord that you better make some changes. If you don't make the changes, then things could happen and you will not be aware that they're going to happen. And things could not turn out well. Because how many know you can open a door? You know, Ezekiel, I just read through the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was concerned for, for Judah because there was a breach in the wall around the city. And he prayed, and God decried that there was no man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And you know, in life, you can live in such a way that, you know, God answers mama's prayers, daddy's prayers, ancestors' prayers. But you can reach a point that you breach the purposes of God so much that the walls of protection are no longer there. God has no other choice than to let, let what will come will come. You know? So I don't know who I'm, I'm talking to someone and I don't want to know who it is because I'm a pastor and I love people. How many hear me? Y'all were at ease. God doesn't want us to be at ease. You know, Lord, I've got all this prepared and here we are. I wandered into something. I'm trying to get to my notes. I've got this thing on the love of God. But if I follow my heart, I got to go this other. Can I go this other way? Turn over to Hosea chapter 4. Lord, Father, why do you do this to me? Everybody okay? My goodness. Hosea chapter 4, <clears throat> the title of this right here in my New Living Translation on my iPad, The Lord's Case Against Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, there is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. He brought charges against them. He didn't bring charges against the people who weren't listening to God, who were not saved. He brought charges against His people because of the way the people in the land were living. 
He said, I'm not talking to them. They're just doing what comes natural. How many, how many know if you have a sin nature, the thing you enjoy doing the most is sin? Huh? When I was a teenager, I enjoyed sin. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. I enjoyed being with my friends and doing the things we did. I enjoyed smoking my pot and taking my dope. I enjoyed the temporary highs I got. I enjoyed some of the things I did. I did. I'm not, te- I'm not joking. I enjoyed it because my nature was wrong. And if I can enjoy doing things that God says will harm me and harm others, my nature is wrong. And the problem in America today is we have people who enjoy doing things that they know are wrong, but they come to church at least once a week. Huh? See, they're at ease. So he said here, hear the word of the Lord. O people of Israel, the Lord's brought charges against you because there's no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. Well, well, if the people that knew God were there, why was there no knowledge of God in their land? Because they shut their mouth. They lost their witness. They absorbed the culture around them. How many hear him? Wow. You make vows and break them. That is, you don't even honor your own word. So when it comes to God's word, you just fluff it off. It means nothing. How many know it's really hard to have faith in God when you don't even trust your own word? And you just say things to say them. When we're living right now in a generation, you know, there's a lot of voices saying a lot of things from a lot of places today. Is it true? The media is everywhere. You can't believe most of what you hear. Is it true? And if you do, I don't want to use the word stupid. A stronger word would be idiot. God challenged me. I really shouldn't say that word. I looked it up in the dictionary. An idiot is a person who has an IQ below 60. I wouldn't call anybody that, would you? Jesus said, be careful with that kind of stuff. But we're listening to all kinds of voices and words today. And you know what I found out? Even in in modern culture, people will say what you want to hear because they refuse to confront the truth in a relationship. Yes or no? Have you had that happen to you? How about last week? How about yesterday, right? How about this morning? Even husbands and wives, they won't be honest with each other. People won't be truthful in their relationships. Why? They're void of truth. They're afraid of truth. They're afraid of what truth reveals. Now, I had no plans to preach this. And I don't even know where I'm going, so let's see what happens. It's kind of prophetic. He said, you make vows and break them. You say things and you don't do it. One of the signs of a spiritual pilgrim, I think it's Psalm 15, he that swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. Do you honor your own word? Do you do what you say? I have people say things to me a lot and they don't do them. Then I have to ask myself, when I make a commitment, do I follow through? If I say I'm going to X, Y, Z, do I do it? Here's the issue. If I can't do that, That means I don't believe what I say and I don't believe what others say. Guess what happens by default? If you live that way, when you get to the Bible, the Bible means nothing. 
It's just so many words. Lots of words. 66 books of words. How many hear me? That's where we're living in America today. He says you make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. I've never seen such in a culture. And he, and he, didn't, he didn't blame the people that were killing and stealing and committing adultery. He was pointing his finger at God's people. See, that challenges me. We live now in an unsafe nation. You know, I go biking on the trail. You know, I have, I have to be careful. I had some people not long ago stood me up on the trail, surrounded me. Let me just say I'm a big guy. I'm not stupid. But I had some things take care of me there too. And I told them, you know, it's to your good to back up and just leave me alone. And I walked on through. You kill, steal, commit adultery. There's violence everywhere. Question, does that sound like America? You know, I was, um, I was biking yesterday and going down the trail. I listened to teachings. And then my, I, I got to thinking what it's like today, because you always got to watch everywhere all the time, and what it was like when I was a child. My mother would let me go out on Saturdays or Sundays or during the summer, during the days I was off from school. I would get on my bike and tool around our neighborhood. I would go for miles sometimes, you know. And she was never concerned that I would get abducted or harmed in some way or somebody would rob and rape me and hurt me. Huh? Now, if your kids say they're going outside, where are you going, who are you going with, who's protecting you, where are you at? You ain't going there. No. If you're a smart parent. Is it true? Because there is no knowledge of God in our land. That's the reason, y'all. You make vows, break them, you kill, steal, commit adultery. There's violence everywhere. One murder after another, that is why your land is in mourning. And everyone is wasting away. Now, you know what he was saying? Because of the actions of the whole and because of the responsibilities that my people haven't taken, the land is changing. And what was fun and great and blessed and opulent and excessive and wonderful everywhere. Now your land is mourning. Mourning. Mourning perhaps because there's not enough. Mourning because the things we had taken for granted are no longer here. How many hear me? And everyone is wasting away. It's affecting not just the people that are involved in these things, but it's infecting the people that would never even think of doing those things. You know, some years ago, it was back in the, nah, oh, 1990, 91, I was uh, studying the book of Daniel. And you know, the book of Daniel, whole, all, just about all of Daniel's life, um, Judah went into Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah the prophet said they were going to have to leave their land for 70 years because they violated God's purposes and plans. And, um, and I was reading about all that, about the, about the um, Babylonian captivity and Daniel's day and reading all through the book of Daniel. And, and I got a sudden stark revelation. Daniel walked with God. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember those guys that got put in the fiery furnace? And then the fourth man named Jesus appeared. That's pretty cool, right? 
You know, well, they were walking with God. It wasn't because they were doing things wrong. They were doing things right, and they got persecuted for doing right. Daniel was doing things right. I just read through the book of Daniel. You know what? Daniel was doing everything right, but he found himself... Uh, he found himself at the mercy of people that didn't like him, who were conniving against him, who passed a law that the king had to listen to. The king thought it was a great law until he figured out what the guys were trying to do. They were trying to get to Daniel, the righteous one among them. Daniel got thrown to the lions. The king was so upset he didn't eat a parcel of food. The next morning, oh, Daniel... Has your God delivered you the way he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? And Daniel said, O king, all is well. Hmm? But I was reading that and I was thinking, you know, um, and it bothered me. And I'd never, and I was 30, when I read this, I was 32 years old and I was reading through the book of Daniel. And I got a realization. If we don't do it right in America and things go south in America, then even though the people are, even though there are a segment like us, I imagine most of us here are wanting God's work purpose and God's plan. I would, I would assume that as a pastor. But you see, what you don't realize is when hardship comes, it doesn't just come on those that aren't living right. It comes on those that are. You get it? Now, the first time I thought about that in seriousness, I was 32 years old. And it bothered me then, and my mind keeps going back to that. Even though we're righteous, even though we're doing right, even though we're wanting to seek first the kingdom, if we don't open our mouths and talk to the people around them, then you know what? We will absorb and inherit the negatives that come because of the wrong living. Now, now the caveat to that is, while that may be true, don't forget about the land of Goshen in Egypt. Famine came to Egypt because of their worshiping all of these gods. And, you know, Moses gave those ten plagues. Those ten plagues were against the Egyptian gods that they worshiped. But when those ten plagues came and the Israelites were living in Egypt, God told them, go down to the land of Goshen, that little, that little south section over there. Just go over there. And when the, and when the plagues came and the darkness came, when the flies came, when the frogs came, when the gnats came, when all the plagues were enacted, it affected Egypt, but not Goshen. Having said that, it will affect our lifestyle. How many hear me? Even though God will take care of us, how many can believe that God will take care of you regardless of what happens in our culture? Is that true? I've got a sermon I preach, the land of Goshen. We live spiritually in the land of Goshen. That means God takes care of us regardless of what happens. But we still have to deal with the negatives that come because of a generation of people that choose not to honor God and to live a self-absorbed life. Yes or no? Everybody okay? I want, I'm, I th I'm trying to make this. This is, you know, God's wanting to do something here. And so he says, this is why your land is mourning and everyone's wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea are disappearing. Now here's what he's saying. It even affects nature. Nature will even turn violent when God's hand of protection comes off of a people because of the choices that they have made. And heretofore in America, and I've said this many times, I've traveled, I think, to 17 nations. 
And I've ministered in a lot of different places. And, you know, just sitting back and thinking, I said this a few Sundays ago, might have been last Sunday, Sunday before. Um, you know, when you're in another nation and it's a third world country and you see how the average person lives, you know, we, I, we pay four salaries, for instance, in Ethiopia. Um, and, and these guys are getting along well with the salary we provide them. So let me get, re- can I get real? So two guys are in southern Ethiopia. One guy, he's a single guy. He's got an odd name. His name is Dookie. I'm, I'm not kidding. You laugh, that's his name. You know, his mama gave him a, a name. But we pay him $25 a month. Did you know that on $25 a month, he makes it fine? He rides a bike. He buys eggs. He goes to the market on Saturdays. He buys things that he needs. He's got a hut to stay in, a thatched roof hut with dirt walls and dirt floors. He doesn't have a bathroom like you do. He's got a shovel and a hole. Okay, you get it? Yeah. And then there's a guy that's married. He's got some kids. We pay him $50 a month again. He's got a thatched roof hut. He's got dirt walls. He's got dirt floors. He's got a few goats in the back. He's got a cow for milk. He's got some goats for milk. He's got some chickens running around. He's really blessed. He's got a bicycle. He goes from village to village. And we have six churches there. He's doing fine. We've got another section of Ethiopia. We pay the guy, I think, $300 a month. Different clientele, different person, different whole. The atmosphere is different is what I'm trying to say. And it's, it's in the coffee district. Have you ever heard of Yergacheffi Coffee? I've been there. We have churches there. And we pay him $300 a month. We've got another one. We play about the same. But see, they live in a different culture. They, they don't live in a thatch-roofed hut. They live in a tin-roofed house that has doors and windows and a, and a floor, a cement floor. It's archaic in our standards, but for them it's good, right? So I'm just saying, I've been around the world and, you know, here's my mind. I'm thinking, now here's them, and I'm in India, and I've been all over India, and I, I will look at how the people in India live. Then I've been to, to Europe, and, and most of the people in Europe live in a flat, right? High rise. And I've been to Russia, Siberia, you know, most of these people, they, live, they don't live in a big house like you, 2,000 square feet, 3,000 square feet. They live in a small place, right? And I've been to places the animals come in at night because they don't want them to get harmed by the marauding animals outside. They bring them in the house. I've been into some of the people's houses at night. And they, I'm talking now about Africa, and they have cows in the house, goats in the house, because they don't want them to die at night. Right? Predatory animal, right? Do you live that way? Why don't you live that way? Why do we have so much money? And see, that's the question. I started going to other nations in the 90s, and I looked at the disparity between us and others. Us and others. And you know, every time I went, i got to tell you, it bothered me. First, One of the first trips I went on, I was building a new house when we first moved here, mid-90s, and we were picking out carpet and, you know, what we're going to do with the house and what's it going to look like and, you know, appliances and this and that, and that's all fun. I get there, and, and just to have drinking water out of the river was a big deal to these people. So see, again, the disparity. Why is there such disparity? There is because we have had the blessing of God. And whether you like it or not, and you're listening to me over the internet, we have had a heritage 
Judeo-Christian ethics. Treat your, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right now in America, it's every person for themselves. If you don't like what I like and you don't do it the way I do it, blank to you. Yes or no? It's truth, y'all. How did we get here? Why are we so, we're so blessed because enough of Americans obeyed God and believed in the, in the uh, ethics that made us treat one another with respect, with kindness, treat our bodies properly, not get involved in immorality to the point that anything is okay and that it breaks apart the family. Right now, the biggest problem we're having in America is there is nobody to teach the young anything because everybody's got problems because the family is fractured. Is it true? If you're a school teacher, I don't even have to say another word. You get it, right? It's just terrible. Why did this happen? We left our moorings. We left the Word. Why are we so blessed? Because enough of us honored God for the first portion of the history of our nation that we just did the things that created opulent prosperity. And now we're living in that. We're enjoying that. We do have a season of that. Stock market's at an all-time high. Jobs are being created. You know, gross domestic, domestic product is up. Everything's wonderful, and we are at ease. And what I hear God saying, it's time to prepare. Because you don't have the, you don't have the character to keep what you have. You know, I have to tell you, this is not fun to say on Sunday morning, but if I don't say this, I'm going to stand before Jesus one day. And then you may come up to me in heaven and say, why, why didn't you say anything? Or when something happens, you're going to say, why ain't you been talking, Pastor? And you know, the honest truth, I don't care if you like me or not. I'm, I, I love you, but if you decided to like, not like me and diss me, I'm okay. Because my Father loves me. And I want his voice. And I want his smile. I want his voice of approval in my life. I want that well done, don't you? So I've said a lot in just a little bit of time, right? So he said here, even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea are disappearing. He said nature eventually becomes affected. Now here's what you're going to see. I believe, I do believe it. Uh, we've already seen uh, some real, in fact, let me just tell you, I read an article uh, two weeks ago. I was in my office and uh, came across this article. And this guy had pictures in the article. And this is, how many know that uh, the midsection of America is the breadbasket for the world? Did you know that? I mean, uh, there, there are tens of millions and millions and millions of acres of farmland. And, uh, and we, feed, we export so much because we can't use it all. Right? Well, this thing, I'm going to tell you, it, it took my feet out from under me when I read the article because in the article he had pictures to show what he was saying. And here's the guy in the picture, and the guy said that wrote the article said he's 6'5". Now, I'm 6'3", so he's two inches taller than me. He had the hands up like this. And in, the, and in the picture, his hands, he was in a cornfield, and the corn came up to, to the first joint in his fingers. So he said just a few fingers sticking up above the... Corn, so that tells me the corn was probably seven feet tall, right? And that was June 2018. 
Well, guess what? Right beside that picture is the same guy, and it's June the same day, 2019. Now, what's been happening in 2019? <laughs> A lot of rain. Susan and I lived in Oklahoma eight years and there's the Arkansas River. It's flooded in places. It hasn't flooded in a long, long time. I want to say probably hundreds of years. I've talked to some of my friends there. It's just crazy what's happened. And then, and then, and then all the neighboring states, particularly the ones that, that do the food. And so this guy was in this cornfield, the, the, the picture right beside him. Y'all, the corn wasn't even hardly past his ankles. And it's the same day it was seven feet tall. And here's what the guy in the article said. Nobody's talking about it, but there are going to be problems. Food prices are going to escalate. Um, what do cows eat? What do chickens eat? Correct answer. I'm going to ask what pigs eat. Don't eat that stuff. Everything, the prices of everything, everything going to escalate. Why? Because problems are here. Weather, the weather patterns have changed. And there's reasons for all this. So he says here, even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea are disappearing. And, and that's climactic issues with um, the weather. And so he says, don't point your finger at someone else and try to place the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you. So uh, you will stumble in broad daylight. So he didn't blame it on the people who were wrong. He blamed it on the priests who weren't ministering the word. They were ministering things that the people wanted to hear. Like Paul said, itching ear syndrome had set in. You get it? So you'll stumble in broad daylight. You will stumble in broad daylight. Usually you stumble. Have you ever hit your little toe at night going to the bathroom? That hurts because you couldn't see. But here he says in broad daylight, you don't know where you're going and you're having a hard time in life. You'll stumble in broad daylight. Your false prophets will fall with you in the night. And I will destroy Israel, your mother. My people are destroyed because they don't know me. Since your priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priest. Since you've forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. And I have, uh, Susan and I have our fifth grandchild born this month, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Braxton Hicks have started a little bit, you told me, right? A little bit. Yay. Sasha's coming. But I think about my grandchildren. I don't think they're going to understand or know the kind of life I had when I was their age because of what we're dealing with. And how many hear what I'm saying? So while we're enjoying our 4th of the July hot dogs and hamburgers and fireworks and fun and ice cream and stuff, don't forget that the world around us is changing rapidly. And that this is like Joseph's day. This is a time of preparation. That is, get your house in order. Well, pastor, what I need to do for the future, get your heart straight. And if you need to do something, the Lord will speak. How many hear me? Well, are you a prepper, Pastor Mitch? Do you think it's going to get so bad you need to get a bunch of stuff and, and cram it in your closet? Let me say, if you do that, somebody's going to find out. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to come and try to take your stuff. And then if they try to take it and you don't let them have it, Jesus said, if somebody wants your coat, give them your cloak too. They want your t-shirt, give them your shirt. Give them your, give them every, just give it away. How can you not help others if you have? 
If you have it and don't give it away, you're self-centered. And then if you give it away, you're back to square one. Right? So I have a problem with the prepper mentality. So if you have a prepper mentality, be careful of self-centeredness. How many hear me? Wow. So anyway, that was all free. I didn't, honestly, I, I didn't have any plans this morning on my agenda. And I noticed the Lord was quite silent to me as I was praying this morning in my room upstairs. My upper room. Yeah, it was interesting. Turn over to Matthew 24. I think, y'all, y'all get anything out of this? Mm. So the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, what is it going to be like uh, just before you come back? And he said, um, well, they were looking at the temple buildings and all that. And he said, all those are going to be destroyed. And that happened in 70 AD when Titus, General Titus, Roman officer, um, invaded Jerusalem and just ripped the temple to shreds. Every, every stone, like Jesus said, was knocked down. They had gold-plated stones, and they knocked the stones down, burnt the temple so the fires would melt the gold on the stones, and they tore them all down. Some of them weighed, uh, scholars say, 400 tons. That's ridiculous. I don't know how they moved them, but somehow they did. And then his disciples asked Jesus, what's it going to be like just before you come back? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. Why did he say that? Well, actually, King James says, be not deceived. And we live in a time of great deception, don't we? So I've already talked about that. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They'll deceive many. There'll be a lot of different avenues to solve your problems. Now, now there's a, there's a, there's a, a path. There's a way out of this problem, that problem, every problem. Just search the internet and here's an elixir for this. Here's a program for this. There's all kinds of solutions to human problems except Jesus. And if you say anything about Jesus, people give you the cold shoulder. Yes or no? And you'll hear of wars, threats of wars. Don't panic. Yet these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world. The earthquakes that you see in California, y'all, that's really honestly just the beginning of that. Just watch. And so he goes on to say, you'll be arrested, persecuted, killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many... You know, I need to spend more time on this, but I'm watching that clock back there. Many will turn away from me. In fact, go back up to verse 9. You'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. Now, we haven't had much persecution in America, but there is a lawlessness that has crept in now. And now PC is the order of the day, political correctness. If you're not politically correct on the job, you could lose your job. So if you're making $150,000 a year, is, is, is what you believe worth giving up $150,000? Huh? Most people would say, uh-uh, I keep my mouth shut. And if they want me to toe the line with a certain ideology, I toe the line because i got to feed my family so we justify and because we justify, and because nobody, and because the people who know right won't speak up because they'll be vilified, the people who know right won't say it. So how long are we going to be that way? Is that a challenge? Pastors don't talk and say certain things because they need to take up an offering. Because you've got to pay for the land and the building and the lights and the stuff. Right? Absolutely true. Ah, this ain't fun, y'all. This is tough. 
But he said here, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. I'm saying that I have a concern. I wrote a blog here last week or the week before. Uh, persecution's coming. I think in a way that we've never seen. And I don't know if there'll be loss of life here because of that. I think because of our laws, maybe not. But you'll be vilified, you know, ostracized, set aside. You know, that kind of stuff is, is happening now. And it'll get even worse. And, and there'll probably could be in the future laws that are passed that if I preach against certain kinds of sins like homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, that now is being, now is being pushed down the throats of our public school children, that somebody's going to come knocking on my door and say, if you don't shut up, you will lose your tax-exempt status. I've had people leave our church because we're a 501c3 organization and we uh, uh, readily accept public monies to fund what we do because the government allows that. But let me put you on notice. If it ever comes to the point that I have to shut my mouth or pay taxes on our income, I'll throw the 501c3 in the trash can and whoever wants to give to this ministry can and we'll pay taxes on it and obey God. But I'll never shut my mouth, and I've already made my mind up. If it means that, you know, I'm convicted um, for hate speech crimes, I'm willingly go to jail. Would you come and visit me? Many false prophets will appear. Many will turn. Where am I? You'll be hated over the, all over the world because you're my followers. Y'all, that's coming. Many will turn away from me, betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear, will deceive many. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. That's happening right now under our nose. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so all nations will hear then the end will come. The day is coming when you'll see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Um, Antiochus Epiphanes in 168 B.C. entered the Jewish temple at the time in Jerusalem and killed, slaughtered a pig and put a statue of Zeus in the Jewish temple, cut the pig's head off, stuck the pig's head on top, or others say he stuck his own uh, a, a, pig, a, a, a bust of his own person on top of on top of an idol, huh? And that was one sixty, and they call that the the um, abomination of desolation. Other translations say he said here the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. So it looks like the rebuilt Jewish temple. How many know now Jerusalem is, uh, is where we have our embassy. We're recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. It's really unusual. The next phase is a peace plan comes and the Israel, Israel can rebuild their temple, not a gaudy temple, a real simple archaic temple probably, and they'll start offering sacrifices. And then this man comes called Antichrist and he does what Antiochus Epiphanes did. He desecrates the rebuilt temple. And Jesus said this, You'll see this, and he says to the people living in that region of the world, when you see that, those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person on the deck or roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women, nursing mothers in those days, and pray that your flight not be in winter or Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world 
began. Other translations bear, then will be great tribulation. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless the time of calamity shorten, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen. But if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah. There he is. Don't believe it. False messiahs, false prophets rise up, perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen. I've warned you about this. If someone tells you, look, the Messiah's out in the desert, don't bother to go look. He's talking to people in the Middle East here. Or look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For the light, as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. It'll be rapid. Just as the gathering of vultures show there is a carcass nearby, so these things indicate that the end is near. So here's what you can look forward to. Now, this is going to rattle some of your cages. i got to say it. <clears throat> About a third of believers in America believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. There was a whole series written by Tim LaHaye, the Left Behind series. I read it in the 90s. All, what, 12, 13, 14, you know, how many were there? 13, yeah, I read them. I think I read all but the last. I read part of the last one quick. But mo a, a lot of believers in America and the Western world particularly believe that before the Antichrist is revealed, before things get bad, we're going to be whisked away. I believe that for most of my Christian life until nine years ago when I began to read and pray and I had this thing inside I couldn't get rid of and something's wrong and I can't figure out why. And God revealed to me that we're not going to be whisked away in the rapture that we're going to go through a portion of the time when the Antichrist is here and you need to get ready for some severe persecution. And that's not popular in America to say that. In fact, I've had people slobber in my face and not come back to our church because I believe this. And I get people looking at me with all kinds of unusual faces, everything but a smile when I say it. And let me say this, you may continue to believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, which means that Jesus is coming back before any, anything happens with the Antichrist, you may believe that right now. And if you want to believe that, I'm really okay if you believe that. And it won't bother me. But give me, give me at least, be fair to me and let me believe what I believe. And I'm going to preach what I believe. And so if that bothers you, I love you. How many hear me? There are others that, but about a third of the people who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, about a third believe that somewhere midway into a seven-year period, that the that most people call the great tribulation, the tribulation period, that, that uh, Jesus is coming back. That's what I believe. And then there are others that believe at the very end, Jesus comes back at the second coming. We're going then. And uh, I, I believe that somewhere, you know, midways into this hard time when the Antichrist is here, we're going up. I don't even have time to explain any of that. If that went over your head, I'm sorry, come and talk to me in person. And I've got a lot of this in print. And I'm actually teaching on the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. Started it back up. So this Wednesday and the following Wednesday, I do it two Wednesdays a month. I'll be teaching on this. I'm actually starting Revelation 1-1 this Wednesday. So come in here and we'll talk about that, okay? But nonetheless, I said all that to say when the Antichrist appears, there are two people groups he won't like at all. And those are number one, Jews. Number two, Christians. When he starts out, Jews are wonderful. Christians are fine. He can get along with both. Midway into it, when he desecrates the Jewish temple, he says, you both are rats. Jews are rats. Believers are rats. And I'm going to try to make life miserable for all of you. How much that affects us in America is yet to be known. It's according to who you elect as president. Now, that's a real divisive subject there, isn't it? So if I were in your shoes, 
Before I voted, I wouldn't vote a political party. I would listen to what people are saying, and then when they're talking, go behind the scenes and see what they're really saying. Because demon spirits twist. Say, they say one thing, but mean something else. Yes or no? Ah, I just hear your, I hear your heads. What about the current president? You better pray for that man. Huh? I don't care if you like him or not, you better pray for him. And then before you get in the voting booth next time, you better pray. Because what you do determines the course that we take. And how quickly things either just kind of same o same or go down. And how much all this is happening all over the world when Mr. Antichrist says, you know, I got some political power, now I got me some military power, and I want the nations of the world to foment together. And let's all have one religion. Let's all have one God. People are talking about this now. Did you know that? And either we acquiesce to that or we say no to that or we're persecuted. Either way, we're persecuted. I'm just saying things are, things are happening rapidly and it looks like we're at that time. So I'm going to end it by saying this. When the sun darkens, when the moon darkens, Jesus said, watch this. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then at last, the sign of the Son of Man is coming. Uh, His coming will appear in the heavens. There will be deep mourning among the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and He will send out His angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather His chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. That is, my friends, I believe, the rapture of the church. So when cosmic disturbances happen, the sun's not as bright as it was. It's like you can't see the moon at night. Stars, where's the stars? Jesus is about to come back. That's somewhere in our future. I know when I preach about this, some people say, you know, Pastor, that just scares the bejeebies out of me. I just have a few questions. Are you in the hollow of God's hand? Are you in the shadow of the Most High? Has God promised to provide for you regardless of what happens on earth? Yes. Having said that, should we, should we be as smart as the people in Joseph's day and prepare? Should we be as smart as Noah and his family when God said to Noah, judgment is coming on this generation, prepare. And people scoffed and laughed and they prepared. The ark was built and they were saved and the human race continued. Should we be as smart as Noah and his family? Yes or no? So should we be smart today and even though things seem to be going well, should we prepare ourselves mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and make sure our personal ducks are in a row? So my question for me and my question for you, are you living and absorbed according to the culture and absorbing its standards or... Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his right living? And when God gives you opportunity, regardless of what it costs you, you're sharing what Jesus says to you. Not in a way that you're pushing people over, not in a way that you're so demonstrative that nobody else can have an opinion, but you're lovingly confronting sin. 
You're lovingly confronting a person's need for a Savior. And if political correctness is keeping us from doing that, then one day that same political correctness may keep us from the blessing of God. 